Hello everybody, my name is Michael and welcome back to Last to First. As we get closer to launch season for 2024, aside from McLaren, of course, with their shock uh, reveal, I thought it would be interesting to take a look at some of the biggest storylines that we should be on the lookout for in 2024. Even if it is another year of Red Bull domination, there will be plenty of storylines to happen throughout the year. So let's go into my top 10 storylines to look out for in 2024. Number one, will any team take a big step to challenge Red Bull? This is, of course, the biggest question, I think, of 2024, and likely the one to either make everybody the most happy or the most sad, because if somebody does challenge Red Bull, then it should make for a good season. And, of course, if nobody challenges them, then I think we'll be in for another long season, and the longest season in Formula One history as well, as a matter of fact, if all of the races come to fruition, um, as they're hoping they do. But... Yeah, there's the four potential, I think, four main potential challengers um, that could challenge Red Bull this year. Of course, that's Ferrari, McLaren, Mercedes, and Aston. Uh, but really, none of them seem like the standout option, I don't think. Um, none of them you can really put full money on because I think they're all in relatively similar positions. Um, they're all trying to figure out their concepts while Red Bull has their stuff figured out and they're continuing to make gains. I think based off of uh, the end of last year, Aston is probably looking like the least likely just because of their struggles with development and their really significant fall off in 2023. That was definitely pretty alarming and uh, I hope they can get on top of it last year. Otherwise, they're going to be in for a long year. Ferrari and McLaren seem to have the best understanding of their car, aside from Red Bull, obviously. Um, so I do have some decent faith in both of those teams to maybe make another big step. And obviously McLaren is certainly capable of a big step. But I think those two, seem, those two teams seem to know the direction that they're going. It's just a matter of if they can make enough gains to catch up to Red Bull before the end of the rule cycle. Lastly, with Mercedes, um, I just think they don't understand these rules as well as some of the other big teams like Ferrari, McLaren, and maybe even Aston. Um, I think they've tried multiple things, and they seem uh, like they or they think that they make uh, good steps in the right direction, and then all of a sudden it just goes backwards, and they don't really know the rhyme or reason for it. And I think the fact that they don't know what's going wrong is really alarming, and I worry about their true um, understanding of these rules. Regardless of any of these teams being able to get on top of their cars and really making some big gains, the biggest problem is that Red Bull already has a sub substantial advantage, obviously, and that was with the wind tunnel um, penalty that they had. So the fact that they're going to have full wind tunnel usage, aside from the normal penalty from finishing you know, higher up in the championship, uh, it's definitely a scary proposition. And even with the wind tunnel penalty, they had such a lead last year that they were able to switch development so early. I mean, they barely put uh, any upgrades on the car last year because they didn't even need to. So it's definitely a scary proposition. Uh, I always say hey, at least the very least, it's nearly impossible for Red Bull to have a better year than last year. Um, so hopefully we'll see some closer races this year. But I think what we really need to see is Red Bull start to come close to the ceiling of these regulations. Um, 
at least starting to find less and less gains. Um, and I think other teams need to make a massive step like McLaren did last year, but uh, even massive, more massive one. I think it's very unlikely that Red Bull would do anything to blunder um, these regulations. I don't see them making a backward step. Um, I don't see why they wouldn't have another fantastic car since this is star B20 is just the evolution of last year. Um, so I think it's really going to depend on the teams, uh, the other challenging teams like Ferrari and Red Bull or Ferrari and McLaren and Mercedes and Aston to really make some massive gains. Number two, will Andretti be able to force their way onto the grid for 2025 or 2026? Andretti has really made it more and more difficult for their entry to be rejected. Uh, they've met all the requirements, they've gotten approval from the FIA, and they're still waiting on F1 to approve. Just the problem is, even though they're bringing so many cards to the table and so much value, I think, in my opinion, uh, F1 doesn't want them. Uh, they don't want to share uh, on any of the money that F1 is bringing in now. They don't want to share in the spoils of all their hard work over the years. But the thing is, I think Andretti really has a lot to bring to the table. They have the American market, um, and they're not just some any old you know, basic uh, underfunded team like maybe Haas is. They have bespoke facilities. They brought GM into F1 for the first time. And it's not only as a badging exercise, but GM is going to be building engines in the near future. I believe 2028 is when they said that they're going to be making engines. Um, so, I mean, that's as legit as they come. Uh, they have the Andretti family, obviously has ties to Formula One in the past, and they're very massive in, in IndyCar. So, you know, how is it going to look if F1 still rejects them after everything? There's not likely to be a stronger application than what Andretti has. So how would it look for other future teams wanting to get into F1 if uh, Formula One rejects Andretti? Definitely a slippery slope that we're walking on with the Andretti bid. You know, I can understand why F1 would be worried about sharing the profits with another team since their numbers have been dec decreasing, but I don't think there's any doubt that Andretti will bring in value because of their heritage, their money, their sponsorship, sponsorships, and having legit F1 facilities. I think they'll really bring a lot to the table, and I think overall the fans really want them uh, to be in. I think it would be interesting to have an 11th team on the grid, or at the very least just get rid of Haas and uh, have Andretti. But yeah, I mean, when something peaks, such as the, the viewership for Formula One, of course, it's going to go back down and it'll go up in the future again. I mean, 2021, when the numbers were the highest, that was obviously an insane season and something that we won't see for a very long time. So I think they need to recognize where, where we are right now, where it's plateauing. And this is just regular Formula One right now. So we'll see what happens. But I don't think uh, Andretti did anything to help themselves in the matter uh, just because they've been so blunt and aggressive with trying to get on the grid. I don't think Formula One uh, ever appreciated that, uh, all of the teams and uh, the Formula One organization, FOM. So that certainly I don't think is helping Andretti, but ever since they started really getting their, their feet on the ground with everything, they've been a lot more quiet and haven't been as aggressive in the media and and making statements um, against F1 or the FIA or anything like that. But I think the longer the application goes on, the less likely that they will be on the grid for 2025. I think it would be quite shocking if they were able to get on the grid for 2025, but 2026 is very much still open. 
So we'll see. If Haas can exist, then I don't see there's a reason why F1 shouldn't accept Andretti. Number three, can Aston Martin improve their development through the year? There's clearly a lot of potential in Aston Martin. They had some great peaks last year, and they were genuinely the second quickest car to start the season. Their fall-off during the second half of the season was a bit alarming, though. Uh, Mercedes, Ferrari, McLaren all moved forward while Aston stayed the same, or maybe even went backwards. A top team really needs to be able to develop through the season, not just produce a good base car. I guess, though, to be fair to Aston, other teams like Ferrari and Mercedes, I think, really dropped the ball, so it probably made Aston look a little better than they really were. Um, you know, by the end of the season, that's probably where they should have been, and if that's what it, where they would have been throughout uh, the entire year, I think everybody still would have been really happy with that progress, but because they went had such high peaks at the beginning and went downwards, that definitely looks worse for them than if it were to be the opposite way around. But I think if Aston wants to achieve their ambitions, they're really going to have to work on their development through the season. I know they don't have all of their new facilities up and running, but more came online in 2023. Um, so that sh certainly should aid them in their 2024 campaign. If they can't, if they go downwards again throughout the year, then I think that's going to be even more alarming than what we saw last year. Number four, who will come out on top at Mercedes? In terms of driver uh, and team battles, this has got to be the most interesting one because the Mercedes duo are the closest driver pairing on paper. And I think uh, in 2024, I think it'll be very close between the McLarens as well. Uh, we saw how close uh, qualifying was between them. But for now, I think Mercedes is still the closest driving uh, driver pairing on paper. And it's going to be really interesting to see how that ebbs and flows throughout the season. Typically, Hamilton has had the edge, particularly in the races, like Norris against Piastri. But quality has been incredibly close. I think it could be a really spicy year since they've already had one coming together. And it's very possible that they could have more this year, especially if the car is more competitive, if they're fighting for race wins and more podiums. Uh, could get a little spicy. Russell is really going to be trying harder than ever. He's going to be pushing like a madman to wrestle the team away from Hamilton. I think when he was sitting at Williams for those three years, I think he would have expected Hamilton to be moving on from now uh, by now and would have had the team to himself. But instead, he's fighting tooth and nail with Hamilton to try to get, you know, maybe a podium here or there uh, and not fighting for wins and championships like he thought he would. But I think Hamilton should have the edge over the course of the season again. It's just going to be incredibly close. I think if Mercedes are competitive this year, then the gap between Hamilton and Russell will be larger uh, than if the car isn't so competitive. People have always, um, I guess, taken away from Hamilton or, or hated on him. Not even hated on him, but uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess pointed out a, a fault that he might have that when he's not in like a race winning championship winning car that maybe he's not as good as some other drivers in wheel to wheel combat or something like that and I think that very well might be a possibility I mean you know it's tough to stay as motivated when you're fighting in the midfield as compared to if you're used to fighting for wins in championships every year but I think regardless Hamilton um, still has the goods, and I think he'll come on, on top of the driver uh, battle at Mercedes. Number five, how will Haas look without Steiner? So with the shock news of Gunther Steiner being ousted as team principal, 
Um, I think Haas is really going to look a lot different this year, or at least it's going to feel a lot different. But I don't really think too much will change um, aside from the feel and the atmosphere around Haas. I think in terms of performances, not much will change. Gene really needs to invest more money for any performance to significantly change. But he, uh, as he said recently, he has no desire to do that, even though he, quote unquote, doesn't want to stay 10th or be last. Um, but he definitely needs to dig deeper in his pockets and invest a little more if he wants to be more competitive or sell because, you know, I feel like Haas isn't really doing much of anything right now. Um, I think Haas will probably just be an even more boring and anonymous team uh, this year because I don't think they're going to perform any better. And without the personality of Steiner around, why would they be in uh, Netflix's Drive to Survive or... Why is anybody going to care as much um, without the personality of Steiner? You know, just they're just so uncompetitive that it makes for less less interesting TV. But regardless, um, you know, maybe Steiner has been the problem all along, and that's why they aren't performing. Maybe Gene is right uh, that they can get more out of their package. So we'll see. I think it's going to take a good six months or so to see the real effects of Steiner's departure, um, just because everything is so slow in Formula One. It's a long pipeline. So we'll see how it looks uh, by the end of the season to see if that was a, a good or bad move uh, to get rid of Gunther Steiner. It will be interesting to see what they do with their driver lineup with the change in leadership. Traditionally, they like the experienced drivers like Hulkenberg and Magnussen, but maybe they'll be a bit more open to rookies again, like Ali Behrman because of the Ferrari links. I think that could, uh, I think they probably will want to strengthen those Ferrari links again just because they want more, I'm sure they will want to perform uh, closer to the Ferraris than what they have been. So we'll see. I think there's a good chance that Behrman will be on the grid for 2025, and I wouldn't be surprised if both, both Hulkenberg and Magnussen are out of drives for next year. Number six, how much will Red Bull and AlphaTauri's renewed collaboration help AlphaTauri? I feel like AlphaTauri has been living a bit of a lie the past few years. They didn't want to accept that they are the sister team to Red Bull, that the, they just wanted to think that they are their own separate team and that they could have their own um, you know, capabilities, that they weren't relying on Red Bull, that they weren't playing second fiddle to that. But I think everybody knew that was not accurate at all. Um, they finally reaccepted their role as a sister team rather than being an independent team. And I think because they've accepted that and are planning to have more parts from Red Bull, I think they're going to be bound to improve a bit because of the increased reliance on Red Bull parts, which is aka the best car on the grid. So I don't see why they won't do a bit better this year. I know they'll be sharing more parts such as like the suspension and even sharing uh, the facilities with Red Bull, which has been a pretty controversial topic. Um, I know Zach Brown and McLaren is not a particular fan of that. And... You know, I don't feel like I'm a particular fan of it either, but I guess, um, you know, as long as nothing is being shared or anything and nothing has pointed to that being the case, then I don't see why, uh, you know, there's anything wrong with it. But regardless, even though I think AlphaTauri will be better this year because they're getting more parts from Red Bull, I definitely don't think it's going to be like a pink Mercedes scenario um, from Racing Point a few years ago but I think it's definitely likely to improve their performances a good deal. I could see this renewed partnership 
uh, propelling them ahead of teams like Haas, Williams, Sauber, and maybe even Alpine, if you saw my predictions for the year. Uh, we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised at all. But in general, uh, I really don't like teams having what I am thinking or what I'm going to call as having a conditioned in performance ceiling. Uh, AlphaTauri and Haas being the two teams that I think have those conditioned in performance ceilings. When they're a customer team, um, especially as much as Haas is, I think there's only so much they can do by using other teams' parts and playing second fiddle to the team. No matter what, um, if both teams get, or if AlphaTauri or Haas get the absolute most out of their personnel and the package that they have, they're just not going to be as good as Ferrari or Alpha or as Red Bull. And it feels uh, a bit pointless, I think. Um, I really think it's best to have completely independent teams. That just feels the most natural and best for me. But I don't think there's anything we can do about it, and I don't think we should necessarily force one of the teams to, uh, like, force Red Bull to sell AlphaTauri because of that or something like that. I think that would be a bit crazy. But, um, yeah, so we'll see what the new renewed uh, relationship looks like and see if that'll propel AlphaTauri ahead in the future. Number seven, can Perez do enough to retain his seat? Prior to the second half of 2023, I think Red Bull would have most preferred Perez to just do a good job and play second fiddle to Verstappen. They obviously signed him for a reason, and that would have been the easiest solution to the second driver problem at Red Bull. However, with the horrendous season that Perez had, and with Lawson and Ricardo biting at the feet of Perez, I think the tides have really turned against Perez, and I think he'll need to have an extremely good season, um, and I think Ricardo to have a bad season in order to keep his seat. I think the momentum has really shifted towards Ricardo, and even if Perez has a great season, I think as long as Ricardo performs well, Red Bull may want Ricardo back regardless, just because of his personality and his marketability. So we'll see. Uh, now that the water is a bit muddier for the second seat at Red Bull, between, uh, as per usual, the crazy Red Bull driver dilemma between Red Bull or between Ricardo, Lawson, and Perez, I think really any one of them could wind up in the AlphaTauri or the Red Bull seats. So we'll see. It's going to be a tough season for Perez. In order for Perez to keep that seat, um, or at least just in general for him to perform well, he needs to focus on himself and really put his head down. Regardless, Verstappen is going to beat him, and Perez needs to accept that. I know Perez can get race wins, and I know he can have good performances, but when that happens, he can't mistake that for getting his hopes up for a championship fight. If he starts getting in his own head, then more mistakes will occur, and the pressure will mount even more than it already is. I think it would take a lot for Perez to keep a seat. Unfortunately for him, I think the pressure will be too much for him, and I think he'll have another poor season. Especially uh, with as close as I think the teams are going to be this year, I could see Perez really slipping further down the order uh, if he's not on top of things. Number eight, will Norris smooth out his qualifying mistakes and will Piastri take another step? 2023 was the most Norris has been pushed for several years, and I think that really led him to some of those uncharacteristic mistakes that he was making. I mean, he was completely on top of Ricardo the past two years and never had to think twice um, about his teammate. Now with Piastri, um, as quick as he is, I think it definitely was impacting Norris throughout the year. As Piastri got closer throughout the season, Lando started making more and more mistakes in quality, but it was just quality alone. 
he still very much had the edge in the race and really handedly beats Piastri throughout the season in the races. Just Lando made it a lot harder on himself uh, during the races when he'd qualify, you know, farther down the grid than, than Piastri would. Regardless, though, the amount of mistakes was a bit alarming for Norris because if, if Piastri was putting him under that much uh, pressure in his rookie season, what is it going to look like in 2024 when Piastri has a bit more experience under his belt? Obviously, Piastri's performance ceiling is clearly quite high, and it's going to be interesting to see how he performs uh, in his second year of F1. I don't see why it won't be even better than, than his first year. And I think uh, these two drivers are going to be really interesting to watch throughout the season. I bet qualifying is going to be extremely close between the two, um, maybe as close or closer than the Mercedes duo. But I think the big question is going to be if Piastri can take another step in the race. He really needs to get on top of his uh, tire wear, which is what he struggled with in, in his rookie season. And if he get, can get on top of that, then he's definitely going to be nipping at the heels of uh, Norris throughout the season. However... You know, it really wasn't much of a surprise that Piastri did struggle with the tires uh, in his rookie season because that seems to be the most challenging aspect of Formula One compared to lower seasons. So I don't see why Piastri won't make a big step up in his race performances, but I do think Lando is going to have a great season. I think he's going to step up his game even more, and I think he's going to really reduce uh, and get on top of those mistakes and reach a new level. I think it's just going to be a matter of if Piastri is going to be able to keep up or not. Number nine, which version of Ricardo will we see? Will the Honey Badger truly return? Or is it possible for him to even reach the peaks that he once did with Red Bull? I think this year will really be a defining year for Ricardo. The Red Bull seat is for the taking. And if he can be consistent and beat Sonoda, then I don't see why Red Bull won't put him in the main car, even if Perez is performing well. Um, with any luck, we'll finally have an opportunity to really see what Ricardo can do when he's back in the car consistently and not dealing with a layoff or coming back from an injury. I feel like every single race uh, that he was up against Sonoda in, there was always some asterisk to it, whether it was Ricardo coming back from half a year off or coming back from an injury or just one driver or another having some type of incident. Uh, it always made it difficult to compare the two. So I'm really looking forward to see how those two stack up uh, this year. And I uh, think Ricardo really needs to beat Sonoda pretty pretty convincingly uh, this year to help repair, continue to repair his reputation. But I think even from the few races that he did complete in 2023, he was clearly looking a lot more comfortable and happy than he was in McLaren. Something about the Red Bull environment and the car that they and AlphaTauri produce really seemed to fit him. I don't know if it's just a confidence thing or maybe just his driving style seems to uh, fit the Red Bull a bit better. I think the biggest question uh, still remains, though, about whether Ricardo's downturn was due to McLaren's characteristics or it's because this generation of car doesn't quite suit his driving style. You know... If it's just a McLaren um, that he struggled with, then that's one thing. But if he just can't get on top of these new regulations, which even though there are big changes in 2026, they still will be ground effect cars, then I think it's going to be tough uh, for Ricardo to perform highly again. But he clearly still has some high peaks, as we saw in Mexico last year. So I'm excited to see how he goes throughout the season. I think if he can just remember what made him the star that he is, get down to the basic and drive how he drives best rather than trying to adjust his driving style then he can at worst do some solid performances and look better than he did at mclaren 
I think if he can gel with the car, then he can reach some of those high peaks like he used to at Red Bull. I think everybody wants to see Ricardo do well, and 2024 will be the year that we can determine if he is the Ricardo of old. Number 10, what will the grid look like in 2025? This year's driver silly season should be a lot more interesting than last year, as for the first time in history, all 20 drivers remain the same from one year to the next, uh, which was so shocking. Um, but it should be a lot different going into 2025. I think we'll have a, a pretty interesting uh, driver market. There's going to be a ton of contracts that are going to be expiring this year that really should switch the field up uh, along with the upcoming rules change in 2026. I think there are bound to be some drivers that want some new scenery, whether forced or because they want to make a change or take a risk for a new team for the new regs. Uh, I think uh, there'll definitely be some changes around. Some of the key players um, that could potentially uh, really jumble up the field are going to be uh, Carlos Sainz, Sergio Perez, Lando Norris, Elbon, and Ricardo. Uh, you know, a move to Audi by Sainz or a switch from McLaren at Red Bull, or I'm sorry, a switch from McLaren to Red Bull for Norris could really send shockwaves throughout the driver market. I think out of those drivers, though, the most likely one that could change uh, is going to be Elbon, um, just because right now he's performing much higher than what that Williams is capable of. So it's just a matter of one of the big teams uh, want to take a, a risk and, and get Elbon or not. I think if Elbon were to move you know, to a big team, then that's really going to make some changes through, throughout, the, uh, throughout the grid. Uh, he very well might be the most impactful of all the dominoes to fall in the market. If he stays at Williams, it might make for a less shocking uh, driver market. But if he goes to like Ferrari, Aston, or Alpine, then that's really going to change things around a lot. A couple other um, potential things that could happen. I don't see it being very likely, but some really other big shockwaves that would happen are if uh, Hamilton or Verstappen were to retire early. Obviously, that would open up two of the biggest seats in Formula One, and that would really jumble things around a lot. Um, but I don't see those happening uh, yet anyways, especially not Verstappen. But maybe if Mercedes just has a terrible year, then Hamilton calls it quit, quits, but I don't think so. Um, some of the other more likely moves that are going to come are going to be from Sauber, Haas, and AlphaTauri. I think it's very possible that none of these drivers could end up on the grid come 2025, especially Haas um, and Sauber. But I think there's a decent chance that Sonoda uh, might end up at like Aston Martin or something like that. And then Ricardo may end up in the Red Bull. Um, so we'll see. It's definitely going to be uh, an interesting driver market. There are a million possible ways the driver market could go, and it's all going to be really fascinating, but I think it really deserves its own podcast. Um, so be on the lookout for that. I do plan on making uh, a podcast about that because there's a lot of potential changes that could happen. Uh, so we'll see. I think that's going to make for um, a fun talking point throughout the year. So those are what I believe to be some of the big, biggest talking points of 2024. Let me know your, your guys' thoughts on some of those or if I missed any other big talking points. Regardless of the results on track, there are always storylines to be had, always things that we can uh, point out and look for that are going to be interesting. So stay tuned for all of my coverage of that. Uh, follow me on social media, on Instagram at last to first and on X at last to first real. And I'll see you guys in the next one.